0: Hello everyone, welcome to another FPL Nations podcast with uh, myself, Callum Harris and uh, Dominic Tyrell Um, This week we're going to be looking at things such as uh, in week 14 world cards, potentially planning towards that And uh, just looking into each other's teams, seeing how our predictions came in last week So um, yeah, how are you Dom?
1: I'm good. I had a um a very nice relaxing week this week. Um, coming off of a very good weekend, which is um something I wanted to touch on in the beginning. Um, because FPL was nice to me, I got another green arrow. Um, so that was good. Excellent. Um, I'm just waiting for the international break. I think, as the majority of football fans are, before the league starts back next week. How are you?
0: I'm not too bad too. Uh, didn't have such a good week as uh, you on. Uh, FPL this week I had a big red arrow actually uh, in our league I dropped from 8th down to 12th and um, for those listening I dropped one point below Dom this week
1: yeah, that's which how is bad news for I me but, mm-hmm.
0: but looking at the prediction we made last week with uh, Emil Smithrow, that came in uh, both him and Salah got me a, a fair number of points, so it wasn't all bad.
1: Mm-hmm. What would you say? What would you say looking at that um, that game we just finished? What was the the main reason why you saw that such a big arrow, red arrow in particular?
0: I think it's a number of things. We've got Cancelo, James, and Chilwell all performing week in week out, and I haven't got any of them. I I decided quite early to go with Rudiger. And uh, he's got me some consistent points, but James and Chilwell are absolutely banging for Chelsea at the moment. Uh, Cancelo, too, for Man City. And also the fact that I keep benching a player in the last three weeks who have got double digit hauls. So, three weeks ago, I benched Jota when he got his 11 point haul. And the last two weeks, I've benched Gallagher for a 13 and 11 point return. If I'd have had them on instead, I think I'd have probably been about 30 of 35 points better off which is uh yeah is quite sad but that that comes with having a strong bench i think you you make those decisions and sometimes they pay off sometimes they don't for three weeks in a row now yeah i've had that double digit player yeah. sat nicely planted in the middle of my bench yeah
1: so what was the
0: success for your, your green arrow
1: the success, well, um, it's interesting that you mentioned the first point with che, uh, Chilwell, James, and um, Cancelo. Three of those I've never owned as well <laughs> for the entirety of um, FPL so far. As Just as you, I went with Rudiger. Um, actually, I went with him with my game week four wildcard, and I've stuck with him since. I had him on my bench for the 15-point return when he scored a goal, but thank God, somebody was injured, I think, and I got him in um, off my bench. And ever since then, he's, as you said, gotten me um, consistent clean sheet points um, but what really got me I think that Green Arrow was along with the Smith Rowe prediction that we both made Thanks, I have to thank you for that um, also Salah returning was Trent. Trent's big haul was um, was very very needed at the time that it came um, especially with a game that was um, very end to end and there was no chance of a clean sheet going either way um, it was great that he was able to return Even though there was a big chance that Manny missed, I think you would have seen it, towards the end of the game where Liverpool had the chance to equalise. And he missed the header, yeah. He missed the entire, he didn't even hit the post. And it was pinpoint, Trent Cross, typical of him, um, from the right side. And he didn't have to do much with it. But, you know, he didn't hit neither here nor there now. But that, I think, was the big turning point for me, yeah.
0: Definitely. He, he got 12 points last week, didn't he? He got two assists, I think it was. Sorry, one assist, one goal. Um, beautiful three, bonus to to him. Uh, three bonus points. Three bonus points. Yeah, 90 minutes played. He, so he got 12 points coming from that. And that's you know Liverpool conceding three goals, which I must say as a West Ham fan is brilliant. West Ham beating Liverpool 3-2. Yeah. I don't get better than that. Exactly. Another <laughs> one I saw return for you, by the way, was um, Rafinha and McCarthy. Both got you nine points um McCaffrey, i
1: must tell you success I, with goalkeepers haven't you i was yeah that's exactly what i was just about to say um i must tell you podcasters i'm not going to profess as being a goalkeeping expert but i have in the past been able to identify the goalkeepers that return one of the things that i use and it probably could be something that helps somebody in the future one of the things that i've used and learned in picking goalkeepers is that i don't necessarily go for premiums i don't think Many people do. The premium goalkeepers are a little too expensive for just one goal to come and take away the majority of their points, especially with keepers such as Edison who would depend solely on clean sheet points. I would look at the team, their position, and their, uh, the shots that they collect. So, for example, a team like Southampton is known for being under a lot of pressure, especially when they play teams above them, and they're known for having the keepers uh, save a lot of shots. McCarthy, in particular, I saw was somebody just like that. The same thing happened with me and Cruel, and I think that's what he referring to earlier, because mm-hmm. I picked up Cruel in the middle of Norwich's, no win, no goal, no, you know, no points return, that whole slide. And it just so happened that the week that I brought him in, the next week was the week that they had their first point, which was the nil draw, and then the week after that was their second point, which is the other nil draw. And in both those mm-hmm. games, I think Cruel got me at least nine points. And the only yeah. reason that I had behind choosing him, outside of the fact that I knew he was going to get save points, was the fact that he was um, his price. Because I was looking for a keeper that would be eligible to start and give me those save points. Because I think those save points are um, a game changer when you can couple that with a with a clean sheet. The same thing happened with me last season on Johnstone. I you know i was looking for a keeper to replace i can't remember who it was and i was one of those haters i don't know why who didn't want to pick up martinez when martinez was flying and i don't <laughs> think i could have afforded him anyway so i just tried my best just to find a keeper that could come back with him every single week because every single week martinez was getting either double digits or a guaranteed clean sheet save points hit left right and center and bonus points on top of that and i picked up john stone in the middle of west brom's um I think it was a slide at that point. And then just as I picked him up, he got like, he got me a 10-point return. And then he ended up continuing getting as many points as Martinez. Because I compared them. I ensured that I compared them every game week. And sure enough, every single game week, he was able to at least get as much as Martinez, if not beaten. So that was a that was good observation as well. Ma- McCarthy, Livermental as well, because Livermento was my other transfer for last week. They both got me those
0: whole Southampton defense. Very uh very reliant on Southampton clean keeping the clean sheet there.
1: Yeah, I was but I looked at the fixtures and what I did was Livermento was a shoe, and I was gonna buy him regardless. Um, because I I saw the points that he was receiving and I realized I should get him <laughs> because mm. um he was not only getting clean sheet points, but he was also a gold threat at some point. So I was like, buy him, his price is perfect because T and gotten injured anyway and i needed to get somebody to replace him and he's a starter so i can always trust him to play for 90 minutes um so that was um always going to happen the mccarthy move was mainly because of the fixtures as well as the save points so i saw that he, they were playing um aston villa which is uh, at that time a big chance for um, a clean sheet points and then the game right after that is norwich so i was like okay eight. Those two games give me at least enough time to uh, identify whether or not McCarthy is making sense. Both those games, he's gotten clean sheet points, bonus points, and save points, and it also makes me—it gives me enough time to, if I need to set a set apart some transfer funds or some a short list of goalkeepers I need to replace him, I have enough time to do so. It wouldn't be like a, a transfer in transfer out because I wanted to see if I can leave him in the goal for a long term, and so far it has worked out. You know. So that's definitely that's definitely what I used going into that. Um, and Rafino. Their, their the last, last
0: five fixtures, if I can quickly tell everyone, their last five fixtures were uh, Leeds United, Burnley, uh, Watford, Aston Villa and Norwich. So they've certainly had a, a green run of fixtures there. But their next few fixtures, they played Liverpool next. Are you planning on transferring them out for this game? Well, do you want? Are you gonna hold him through potentially a
1: Salah? I'm think. I'm some thinking. Button. Well, it's after the Norwich game, so the Norwich game is definitely um. He's definitely starting for that. I I don't know what I'm looking for, but there's there's always some sign. <laughs> Something's gonna happen that's gonna give me the indication mm. of whether or not I'm gonna keep him or not. It is an opportunity for save points. That's the first thing, and that's why I should recommend to people don't run away from like um red fixtures. On FPL too much with um with goalkeepers particularly especially when you have a goalkeeper from a lower tier team because it's almost a guarantee for safe points even if he's going to concede. My best example of that would be um Tim Krul as much as he only got me one point, and um that was a very hurtful game to watch. Um when he conceded seven against Chelsea he. Left the game at a positive point <laughs> ratio. He didn't get minus points, which which you would expect from some other keeper. He actually got yeah, enough he'd points.
0: He got minus three points for goals conceded. If I if I'm thinking correctly, exactly if two conceded. I think he'd get minus a point.
1: And he left the game at one point because I think there was a, a he saved seven saves, and he would have left the game at five points. <laughs> you remember this too. Had they counted the penalty save he had, but they said that he left his line too early, so they had to retake it and the person ended up scoring. Yeah. But he would imagine That's that cool. he would have left that game with five points after conceding seven. That just goes to show how many opportunities there are for points to be had outside of clean sheets, especially in fixtures such as those. So it might not be just yeah. a, a guarantee that I sell him. I might hold on to him. Especially if um I see like there's some sign that you know Salah might be human or Liverpool might blank for another game. Um, especially since Liverpool themselves are not um, too keen on keeping Kinchy's easy. So they might as well, they might really come into a fight against Southampton. So you never know. But we'll see after this Norwich game. Uh, that's why I bought them, so that I'll least get through these green fixtures, try to get as many points as possible, and then I'll be able to make my moves um, After
0: Norwich is Liverpool, followed by Leicester, um, Brighton and Arsenal. So yeah. you've got five or four. No, in fact, after that as well, you've got Crystal Palace who are playing very well at the moment. Brentford, who also playing well at the moment despite losing Raya, and yeah. uh, West Ham. So that those next seven fixtures you've got there could be very tricky for um, your keeper at the moment. Can't think yeah. of his name, McCarthy. I think it's a game it's by game basis well. yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I think, but with Livermore though, I I think um, obviously I'm going to judge it. Um, performances as we go along but it's a game by game basis from those games as the Liverpool game starts for McCarthy in particular Um, because I don't want to I don't want to get lost in the in the hope that he's going to get a big game and there's going to be a nil all where he has 10 saves and a clean sheet and something like that and assume that um, that's going to be the case for all of the fixtures so I'm what I'm going to do is just take it a game by game Um, do what I normally do, um, assess whether or not it makes sense. Is he going to get me points that I'm going to need? Is it making sense to start him or is it making sense to make a transfer? And then also I have to know if that transfer is going to be a minus points transfer or just my free transfer. So those things are the things that are going to come into play. But I'm definitely going to take it game by game after the Norwich game. Mm, it's, It's
0: interesting because one of the hard and fast rules that most of the FPL community go by is don't make a goalkeeper transfer unless you really have to. Right. Just because, like you said, the, the goalkeeper's ceiling is generally quite limited to somewhere between 6 and 10 points. Realistically, it's only if they get a penalty save, a clean sheet, bonus points as well, that they go above 10 points generally. Um, so it's quite interesting that you target fixtures to go for a goalkeeper on. now. Is it is it just the two transfers you've made for goalkeepers this season? I can't remember who you started out with.
1: Um, I started out with Mart. I made a few. I think I made a few. I started out with Martinez. Martinez,
0: that's interesting. Did you think he'd continue his um form from yes, last season? Yeah, look that was
1: totally want. based off. I actually check oh. it. There. Yeah, I have it there. Hold on. We can go through that because Martinez was the original person. that was totally dependent on um that. Last season that he had, I thought he would continue it. He didn't. Um. So mm. Martinez was my game week one. Martinez got me a return in game week two. Game I week think three. You, you,
0: Martinez left your team for Sanchez in game week four. So you did Martinez to Sanchez in game week four, and that wasn't. That must have been for a minus four, in fact, because the week before that you made three transfers after bagging, um, two transfers. Yeah. Um. So that's really interesting because Sanchez is obviously. Played fairly well, and Brighton's defence have been very good this season. Then, in your wild card, the following week, you took Sanchez out and replaced him with Craw.
1: Yeah, and that was um that was totally because of the the fixtures that he had. So yes, I am I'm a very fixture oriented person. Form does come into it, um, which is why I've more than likely left my captain's ban on on Salah. But fixtures really okay. do play a, a part with me when it comes to goalkeepers because again you're just battling with the probability of conceding goals and continuing shots and then the probability of keeping a clean sheet so it's not that much as you have to go on so i use the fixtures as a very big defining tool and it has paid off because um, cool didn't return that that week but the that week or the following week but mm-hmm. if i am correct the week after that he returned with nine points because I trusted him. I you know, I don't recommend it to anybody, but you know, three weeks with the with Norwich Keeper was a big, big risk. Um, but the third week he I came lost. at nine points. And then the week after that, um, even though he blanked. Hold on, I missed a week. Yeah, so game week seven and game week eight, he got me he got me nine points back to back, which is eighteen points. And then came the week where he conceded seven and still left the game at um, a point and I got I still managed I got 105 points that week that was insane um but yeah so that's definitely something that I use you know fixture oriented for goalkeepers in particular that's what I use I I tried my best to to stick on um who they're playing and what is it likely that they're going to keep a clean sheet and then is it even more likely that they're going to get shots to save so that's definitely something that I've used and it has worked it, it's not try it it's not um foolproof obviously there are going to be times where you're going to get a a blank where you didn't expect it but it's for me it has worked when i've definitely needed it
0: it's interesting because in game week 10 you then transferred crawl out yeah did you make an early transfer that week because you've, you've bought in raya and then six days later in the same game week you've taken raya out and brought in mccarthy was that the week that, was, that raya was got injured
1: yeah and i um <laughs> that was very 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 good for but yeah I because the game week when he when Cruel receives 7 I was like okay I think this is about the time this is my sign because I always look out for the signs this is my sign that yeah. okay time for Cruel to um, he's done his job but now it's time for him to um, leave because I had him for about 5 weeks at that point and 3 of those weeks were Blanks 6 weeks I think yeah. now and 3 of those weeks yeah. 4 of those weeks were Blanks so I was like He's done exactly what I needed him to do. And I brought him in on the wildcard as well because of his price. Um, I think at that point I uh just left my keeper transfer to make and I hadn't had enough money, I think, to either continue with Sanchez or I needed Sanchez's money to get somebody else. So I needed to downgrade Sanchez to crew, which is why I sold Sanchez. Um and you see on the wildcard itself I scored I think eighty one points or something like that, which meant it, it should have paid off. So that was the reason he came in. But then I was like, okay, time for him to come out, which is why I bought Rhea. And as you said, and as people have recommended, and as I know, as an FPL player, I know I'm not supposed to make those chances that early. But I just felt that it would be better if I can just ease my mind, get Krugel out, say, all right, Rhea to go, because I like Rhea's um, fixtures, because we know Brentford has a really good run of fixtures. And then he gets injured. So I sold him, and that was the only hit I took. That week, (laughs) um, which was the McCarthy transfer because I didn't have any other transfers to make. Um, But it did pay off. He got me eight points. um, So I didn't need that too much. And that's what I have at this point.
0: It's it's interesting because Reyes' fixtures when you brought him in uh, would have been Burnley, Norwich, Newcastle. Slightly tough game at Everton. But then he goes back to Tottenham, who haven't been great going forward. Leeds. Uh, Watford and Man United also haven't been amazing going forward um, with Southampton and Brighton after that. So that's a really good run of fixtures there, barring maybe one or two. Um, so it's interesting that you you bought him in for that nice run of fixtures, but it's just a shame he got injured, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I did see something, uh, I think it was on Reddit, that said um, the reason that Tony and uh, Mbumo have been a bit slow during this nice run of fixtures for them is because Raya's relationship with Tony was basically telepathic. Um, Tony was receiving lots of long balls from Raya, and being the big sort of centre forward he was, he, he'd flick them on and uh, play them boom through, uh, which just haven't, hasn't been happening with... Uh, I can't remember the substitute Brentford uh, keeper's name now, but they haven't got that same yeah. relationship, which is why Brentford... You know, they draw 3 all with Liverpool. They they beat West Ham 2-1, and then they go and lose 2-1 to Norwich. They don't score against uh, Watford, I think it was, or Burnley. I can't remember which one. Uh, so it's interesting how much of an impact Raya has had on that, that Brentford team. I think now, if you, uh, I've been under the impression, that if you have Tony and Mbumo now, they might not be such good assets going forward not only because their fixture run's about to get bad, but also because that direct ball from Raya just isn't there. They're trying to play a bit slower going forward, uh, not as direct, and as a result, they're kind of losing it a bit more in midfield. So it's interesting, yeah, how much impact the goalkeeper actually has on the players. Uh, so you've got um, McCarthy now. He's got some nice, good fits just coming up. So you are you planning now to hold him through these tough fixtures coming up. They're not they're not too bad but for seven games we said then they're, they're not great or do you think you might take a hit to move on to maybe someone like um Tricol's probably a bad example maybe
1: Ramsdale somebody else I'm yeah.
0: yeah Ramsdale Pope Pope's got some nice fixtures coming up as well if I quickly read the the Burnley fixtures out they've got um in the next few weeks, they've got Tottenham, who haven't been attacking well. Uh, Wolves, Newcastle, West Ham is a difficult game for them. Watford, Aston Villa, who all haven't been great. So they've got a nice run of fixtures coming up too, as well as Norwich, actually. They've got a good, good set of fixtures coming up fairly soon in uh, Newcastle, Tottenham, Manchester United, Aston Villa. Maybe that's not as easy as it looks, but in terms of XG for those teams, they're not actually that good. So I think Norwich could be in with another good child. Maybe, maybe you end up going back to Cruel.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Um, but no, it's 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 specifically game by game for him. I don't want to take a hit to remove a keeper. Though. That's the other thing. Um, mm-hmm. That would be, I'd, well, obviously a uh, misunderstanding, uh, real situation. I don't want to be have to spend points to take out a keeper. Especially a keeper such as McCarthy, who is known for getting a lot of save points anyway, which could be a very defa- deciding factor, even if he doesn't get clean sheets coming up. But I just want to see that it's making sense to keep him, in other words. I don't want it to be that he's getting close to zero points every time or one point because he's conceding so much or he's getting two points but not getting anything outside of those two points. You know, So those are the things that I'm going to look at. Um, I'm also going to look at how their defense is holding up. Because if somebody like Livermanto, and it's going to be connected. So if Livermanto, I'm seeing, is not um, as productive with the clean sheet points and the, the extra points that he can give, then it's obviously going to mean that McCarthy is also going to take a hit because McCarthy now is not keeping clean sheets, which means he's not getting the bulk of his points. So those things are going to be playing off of each other. Um, I want the best case scenario for me would be that he gets me in the next seven um Next seven game weeks, if you can get me around three to four returns, doesn't have to be clean sheets, but returns in terms of um safe points, um even a penalty save here or there, um something like That'd that, then safe. it's going to be, it, it, yeah, definitely mm-hmm. it'll be it'll be cause for me to not jump and sell him right away, especially at his price. And then he was my differential last week. That's what, I think that's the other big reason why I got a green arrow was the fact that he's a differential. He's I think he's mm-hmm. his ownership right now is only at four four point three percent. So. You can you can tell by him giving me at, i think it was at least 17 points over the last two weeks there's been a huge differential for me which is why and it correlates with the two small green arrows that i've gotten for the last two game weeks um, it's the fact that my two these two smaller um smallest players in terms of ownership have returned for me within those two gaming seminars I and mean, um McCarthy, so that's definitely something I'm gonna look look forward to, and that's also why I want to hold on to him because that ownership is gonna mean it's gonna be a lot of jumping in places if he does continue to return, and that's something that I want to hold on to.
0: Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Are you interested in discussing a game week fourteen wild card? So I know that a lot of people um, still have their Wild card
1: available for game 14 well i think i should ask you this because this is you're the you're the podcast host who still has his um wildcard what going back to the beginning of the um the beginning every season and you know how many people use their wild card within the first four weeks what forced you or what kept you from keeping or using your wildcard with the crowd and even after because there was there were i think sets that people set out. So that if it wasn't game week four, it was game week seven. If it wasn't game week seven, it was game week 11. What kept you through that, those game weeks and what has given you the reason to select probably it was game week, what, 14? They told me that you wanted to use it. Why? And yeah. what are the reasons behind it?
0: So the main reason for me was that I had a really good start to the season. Um, I picked all the right players for game week one, and I think I scored about 105, maybe 110 points in game week one. And that led me to my team kind of being quite near the template. Um, that meant that I got price rises and stuff like that. You know, Antonio, Ben Rama, Salah, Alexander-Arnold, all those players who kind of returned quickly. Uh, they, they got price rises and they got the points where i could bank transfers fairly regularly and then spend two or three in one go um the the fixture swing that i've been looking at so i think like i mentioned last week i I keep a spreadsheet quite a big spreadsheet of a lot of stuff and i've got my own sort of fixture tracker on here and what i've done is had a look at In the next five game weeks in any given point who has the best fixtures and I noticed that in game week 14 uh, there was there was five teams that all had fixture swings and those fixture swings could be uh, red or green so they could either swing from good to bad or bad to good so obviously a lot of players jumped on Wolves in game week four game week seven around that time lots of people were looking to jump on them so I had a look at them, and in game week 14, they they go on a really bad run. They play Manchester United, Liverpool, and Chelsea all within five weeks. Mm. Um, But the most important thing for me was that Manchester City, Liverpool, West Ham all have a fixture turn in the green. Um, So West Ham start a fixture run of um, Brighton, Burnley, uh, Arsenal, which won't be easy, Norwich... Um, and Watford all within seven game weeks. Uh, Manchester, Manchester City have kind of uh, Villa, Watford, and Leeds, uh, and then followed by Newcastle and uh, Leicester mm-hmm. all within seven game weeks. So the, all these teams have really good runs. Uh, so for me, it was looking at the time when there was the biggest fixture swing and that's when I went for it. So a lot of people have kind of uh, are jumping off West Ham assets now based on their fixtures coming up. Well, what's already started. So where they have Liverpool, uh, Chelsea and Manchester City all within uh, five game weeks, a lot of people jumped off the West Ham assets. So I thought if I didn't have them in the first place, I could jump onto them in game week 14 when a lot of people didn't have them right so that's that's really my thinking around when i use my wild card it's just the fix the biggest fixture swing that i could find and i rigidly stuck to it um it's it, i think for a lot of people who didn't wild card in game week seven not jumping on the chelsea bandwagon was a bad idea so obviously chelsea had their really good fixture run from game week seven which a lot of people jumped on right so i'm trying to do that but with manchester city liverpool and west ham in game week 14 instead Uh, The problem is that, right now, those teams are performing well anyway, and a lot of people have those assets already. Uh, So, in hindsight, potentially it was better to to wildcard in game week 7 or 8.
1: Right. I think that's something I was going to ask, because um, in spending so much time um, preparing for the wildcard, would you say then, now that, as you said in hindsight, it would have been better to use it earlier, would you say then that using this information that you have now, it still makes sense to wildcard in Game Week 14?
0: Hindsight is always uh 20
1: I think yeah. they call it.
0: Yeah. Um, I think the, the decision to wildcard in Game Week 14 was the correct one. And I, I guess I won't really know if it's a good decision or not until... Game week seventeen, game week eighteen, something like that. I'm not too sure when uh, the first set of double game week fixtures are announced. If it's any time soon, then I have the advantage of being able to to kind of plan for that. Right. Uh, the the game week the, the the wild card chip runs out in game week twenty, I think it is this season. Uh, which is a long way away. And I know a lot of people still are holding their wild card all the way through um, just in case the international break screws up your plans. And I know there's a lot of fixture congestion coming up around mid December as you approach Christmas. The Christmas period is always known as the busy period. Yeah. Uh, so I think a lot of people are set on holding their wildcard for even longer and just making sure they have those nailed players in their team where other people might start suffering with rotation risks and things like that.
1: That's interesting. Um, I think the reason, so I'm, I'm obviously just going to be the person listening in this segment because I already use mine. But the reason that I use mine was, I think I have to go back, I have to see my team to remember. But I think that I had a few players that I didn't think personally made sense. Um, so let me just pull up my squad around that game week to give you a very visual understanding of what was going through my head at that time. Um, that, and I also remember clearly not jumping on particular bandwagons, which ended up hurting me. Right, so I I wild in game week five. Game week four was the game week that I think was my worst game week to this to this point, um, where I got uh forty three points on the average, it was fifty seven. So you know how bad that game week was. Um, and it's crazy because I have in my squad uh, Sanchez return, which is a clean sheet, a Diaz return with a bonus point, a Shaw return, which you know how rare those were, um, a, a Fernandez return, a Salah return, and I still end up way behind the average. And the reason for that was, well, what the main one was my captain was Antonio, who we both know got that red card that week. Minus So
0: minus one points that week.
1: That was a minus two for me. Um, Mm -hmm. That and I refused As I think I mentioned last episode I refused to jump on you and I'll look at um, Baguagan And this was the week that he went to Newcastle and scored two Not only did he score those two But the majority of people who bought him Captained him so you know that hit me Very very hard And um, after Antonio Getting a red card I realised yep I think it's about time that I um, Make some changes Um, What's interesting also was that in that change, so we go to game week five. When I wildcarded, I took out Antonio, and we both know I still have Antonio to this day, which meant that um what was the reason? Because I brought him in I brought him back the week I had. I think it was because he had good fixtures up to the Manchester United game, which happened to be the game he was red carded for. Oh Bamford was injured. That's why. So I brought in Bamford on my um on my wildcard. He got me a return. I think it was an assist. Um, I kept him on my wildcard. And then he got injured. Which is the reason why I brought back in Antonio. And would you believe it? Antonio scored on the return. So it was very interesting at that point when I did wildcard. And I did pay off because the wildcard week got me 81 points. That was the week that Rudiger got the goal with a clean sheet. So that's 14 points. Diaz got an assist along with a clean, with a, um, a clean sheet, if I'm not mistaken. Or oh, he got a clean sheet with two bonus points um which gave me eight points and then tna also got a clean sheet ben Rama got 10 points that was the week ben Rama played up top against manchester united when antonio was red carded and he scored well the def- deflection goal but it's his goal thank god um he got 10 points you know salah obviously 24 points who's my captain i um, scored as well um because i uh, after the 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 lack of trusting and believing in him. I had to bring him in my wildcard and he ended up returning for me right away. So those are the reasons why I wildcarded. The main being that um, I felt that I was way behind the pack and I did not want to miss out on a Ronaldo rampage if that happened, which didn't really happen as much as as else as people thought it would have. But I felt that I didn't want to um, be left behind on the curve, especially seeing that I had such a horrible game the week prior. That and I also had some personal um, biases, namely that some of my mini leagues, um, I, fell in, I fell badly because I had three great game weeks before that game week four. So I was first and I dropped from first in a lot of them. And, you know, friends barking in in the air, you felt that you had to do something in response. So that was my response and it ended up working out. Um, but...
0: Well, your, your game week ranks are actually quite interesting because if you look from game week one... Right. Uh... So game week two, you went red arrow, arrow, red arrow, green arrow, red arrow, green arrow, red arrow, green arrow, red arrow, green arrow. And then the last two weeks, you've had two green arrows. So and, and your, your rank is mm-hmm. up, down, up, down, but slowly over time, still going up. You've had yeah. small red arrows and big green arrows when you have have uh, had a good game week. awesome! After game week four, which is when you card in
1: <laughs> Yes. Uh-huh. And... I'm glad you brought up that point, too, because that's the... I think I was actually going to ask that question in the group because that's been my Achilles heel. And I think I've talked to somebody about this in that every time, and it's so amazing how stats can show you this in your face, every time that I have gotten a big week, I always expect myself to get a small week the week after. And it, it, it's, whole, it's held through the season. First week, 99 points. Six weeks, next week, 61 points. The week after that, I got 77. But the week after that was my 43. The week after that was my right. big 81. Then the week after that was a small 47. The week after that <laughs> was a 59. Then the week after that, 52. The week after that was a big 105. And then the week after that was a 54. You see, you see the pattern and yeah. I'm sure, yeah. And I don't know if it's because I'm just missing out on certain stuff. But every time I get a big week, um, I always have a small week in, in comparison the week after. But what I have been able to do... Is put together, as you said, the last few game weeks I've been able to put together small green arrows. And that's mainly because I've trusted in people like Jimenez, who's been a, a differential for me. McCarthy came in and got me two clutch um clean sheets. And Rafina. And as the last person that I had, didn't touch on for my last game week, was he was the other person that returned. Um, and I think it was only... Salah, Rafina, Smith Rowe, Livermento, Alexander, and McCarthy who returned in that week. Because we know that was the week of no almost no of this, sh- none of the strikers returning. All my strikers got two two points. And I left a six point Diaz on my bench because I thought um, Ronaldo would have done something, but he didn't. Um But Rafina was somebody who I saw as an opportunity to get points in because I knew Leeds would be going to him. Four points. That and I was always ignoring him because he scored goals. Early this season. But I just kept ignoring him because I didn't see... I didn't think it would be something sustained. But after Bamford's injury, I really kept my eye on him. And I said, okay, from game week... When was it? Game week... Nine, I said, all right, I need to bring him in. That and... Um, I had Saka on my team who was injured at that time. Who just got an injury. So I said, let me bring in Rafina And trust in him. And the first week he blanked. But the second week, he scored. And then the week after that, you know, he scored again. So, um... He's definitely been somebody that I've I've been grateful for in terms of his goals that he's scoring. I would love if he continues to score and then get another assist, um, because that's something I would definitely put his point tally above somebody like Asala, who would usually couple goals with either another goal or an assist. But he's mm-hmm. been um very very consistent. The other thing though, with somebody like Rafinha, is that he cannot expect a clean sheet point. You know that vital one point that midfielders get a clean sheet. You probably can't expect that from him because he's playing for Leeds, So he's gonna he's gonna concede a goal or two. So that's on that's probably the only thing that's gonna um that's gonna jeopardize it. And then because the other team scores then it's obviously going to be somebody else who's gonna be buying for him for um those bonus points. But safe to say that he's been a very good transfer in that I made and I um more than likely going to stick with him even though he has a few interesting fixtures. Um, coming up, That's, yeah,
0: Rafinha's an interesting one. He's in fact, if I go back to my red arrow, Rafinha's the one that probably hurt me quite a lot. Mm. I think, I think if I look at Rafinha's uh, like uh, how how much he's owned in our league, uh, he's owned by about fifty five. No, it's more than that, sorry. Overall, he's owned by 55% of all managers. Uh, So when he scores something like 9 points, it's the equivalent of 5 points against me. And it's the same with uh, Raul Jimenez, although Jimenez isn't as highly owned. Jimenez is only, I think, oddly enough, 30% owned or something like that. 20-30% ownage. Um, So when he scores...
1: It's not even double digits, it's (laughs) 9.8.
0: Yeah, yeah. So both of those... uh, players, when they score, they are likely to give me a red arrow, which I guess goes back to the fact that maybe if uh, a team is template, then it's, it's a safe way to gain rank. Right. Because you're, you're getting the points that most people are getting and you're not getting hurt by anyone to give you a large red arrow. It's the equivalent of uh, not captaining Salah right now. If Salah does well, then you're just going to get hurt. And uh, I really should learn that learn that trick
1: with getting Rafinha and Jimenez yeah and I like to trust myself yeah that's the thing and I think we can segue into that a little bit because I what I've noticed a lot about FPL as well is that as much as there's trust there always is an element of lack of control that people have to account for and I think that's probably one of the reasons why people um start the game play the game for a few weeks and then delete the game after about four game weeks it's because there are so many variables that go into it that we probably don't account for usually. Um, one mm. being a, um, a lower tier team happens to stand up tall against a, a, a top six giant and ends up winning or ends up keeping a clean sheet, things like that. How much does that play a part? Because I know that you know you would have your stats behind you. I know that you have your, your fixtures at, at your sheets and so in front of you. But how much does that, you know, that tell you, you know, anything could really happen in this game? We really don't know what's going to happen. How much is that, or does that affect you at all? Or do you, do you just leave it um, to these stats?
0: You went slightly quiet there. I don't know if you cut out a little bit. Could you ask that again?
1: Oh, um, I was asking if that that probability of anything happening in a game week does that play a role in the players that you select? Even though you know you use your stats that are very, very specific and very, very to the point, would you let that opportunity of the worst case scenario happening affect any decisions that you make?
0: It should, but I would say it doesn't. For me, um, the uh, the stats for me play play a massive role in whether I select a player or not. So someone like Rafinha, he has, he, he passes the eye test in flying colours, which is why I think a lot of people go for him. Mm-hmm. Um, Statistics-wise, he's not quite as high up. For for Leeds, he's quite high up on the statistics compared to other players around him. But if you'd compared him to Mbomo or, uh, I think, Smith Rowe, uh, like we did last week... He actually doesn't come in quite as high as them for XG, XA. So in my mind, they he he's not quite as good of an option as right. those players. Uh, the problem is that he he's quite he, he converts a lot of his chances really well. So he he's quite happy to score from the edge of his area. Um, whereas I think Smith Rowe will match his xg a bit more rigidly so when you've got someone like rafinha who's so highly owned kind of just need to get them in just to save your rank you're you're really playing bull if you don't if you don't get them in because they will hurt you if they score the the nice thing is you usually get a nice green arrow if they don't score because a lot of people just get a two pointer from it
1: yeah Mm -hmm.
0: so for me the statistics are number one priority because I kind of trust the way that I do it, but it's not always going to work. Sometimes it will be big green arrows like it was at the start of the season when they don't return quite as well. But then when they get a couple of weeks in a row of um, sort of big scores, you know, double digit holes, double digit holes, mm-hmm. then you're going to get hurt.
1: Yeah. And I think that's what I'm looking at with um, Chilwell, James, and Cancelo, because I, as I said, I don't own any one of those. Um, mm-hmm. What has, say, what has been saving me, though, is the fact that I've had consistent performance in my back line. So the reason why I still own Diaz is because, as I said in the previous episode, I didn't want to have to deal with the Pep in my back line. I know City is going to be a team that's going to be up there for clean sheets because the defence has markedly improved ever since Diaz came into the mix. And, well, obviously Edison and the back in the goal. We are always a chance for a clean sheet. And, you know, I I always kick myself now for not trusting my team against Manchester United. Because if you looked at the game, it, it, you would have been, you'd have been kicking yourself having not chosen any one of the defenders that started that game. Because I think Kyle Walker was the third bonus point getter for that game. And he didn't do anything offensive-wise at all. So you can tell how much of a defensive masterclass that was um, at Manchester United's home, more or less. So I owned him because he was he had a good run of fixtures after the Tottenham game, which was really, really weird as well. Because I started him, but I also started Son, who ended up scoring. And the only reason I started Son was because Son is on this streak of scoring against us at home. He just loves scoring against us at home. So I just played into the little, little bias there. And that's something I know of because of our um, previous matches with him. And he scored. But after that, I think he went on five games where he, where he returned back to back, at least a, a clean sheet. And the game that he scored an assist in was when he played Norwich. And we hit them five, and he got an assist from Riyad Mahrez, Um And he got me 11 points. So he's been a consistent performer. Then I had Tierney, who got me consistent points, and Rudiger. Rudiger also got me consistent points. So even though they were big scorers in the Chilwell's, then the James and Cancelo, And Trent as well. I've owned Trent for a few weeks now. Those are the defenders that really have kept me in the race. They haven't hurt me as much as they could have, especially if I didn't own somebody like Arudica from Chelsea at all, so I didn't benefit from the clean sheets when they got them. Or Diaz, who's been um, a reliant clean sheet getter, and then he's obviously in the contention for bonus points when that happens. Um, And then obviously Trent. It's,
0: It's a shame with Diaz because Whenever uh, Manchester City keep a clean sheet, Cancelo has normally had some sort of attacking return and he's more likely to be in the bonus points. I actually did a little analysis a while ago um, when I was looking at bonus points and how they were distributed. With teams like Manchester, Manchester City, the split of who gets returns is so vast. So if you've got a front three of, say, De Bruyne, Foden um, and Jesus, and you've got Cancelo on the left, maybe Bernardo Silva, any of them at any point could get attacking returns. So when uh, a team like Manchester City get a clean sheet, Mm -hmm. it's very random as to who gets the bonus points. Whereas if you compare to someone like Brighton, generally the way they play, the striker... They, they win 1-0, and the striker gets all three bonus points because they scored the winning goal. Um, you might get then Dunk or Sanchez with two bonus points, uh, which is... So the, the, the way the bonus points are distributed for a team who don't score as much, you can kind of almost bet on who's going to get those bonus points, whereas in a team like Manchester City, the bonus points are often quite hard to predict, um, generally. Right.
1: Um, and I think the thing also with me was that um, one of the things that I've noticed is that in a game where um, let's say it's a 2-0 or a 3-0 for Manchester City, that they get a clean sheet, Diaz's name will obviously depend on the fact that he doesn't get a yellow card because he he, um, he would have a tendency to sending a, a rash tackle here or there because he likes to, uh, he likes to tackle um, a short face. But when it's when it's a game that goes according to plan defensive wise for Man City and the, the assets at the center of it, because he's known for his blocks, last ditch tackles, um, interceptions and such like that, he is in contention for bonus points. Um but as you, you I think you did hit the nail on the head when it comes to city assets. It's that unless they have been outstanding, so like a folding when he got the three bonus points, when he got the two goals and an assist, and it's he sets he's clear and apart from the rest of the players. There will be games where um as I said, Kyle Walker got a bonus point against Manchester City, against Manchester United, um, because of his defensive um, defensive attributes. Um Cancelo took the uh, three and I think it was Bernardo Silva took two in that game. Those are that's how random it can be. Then the next game will be a Diaz, it'll be um it could even be an Edison, it could be a Foden, it could be a Mares, it could be, you know, any one of the attacking assets. So I think in that in that in that regard, it is it is a, a big toss up when it goes to those type of players. But it also gives me some sort of reliability in that I know Diaz is more than likely going to start, which is the first thing. And the key thing for City Assets these days is his um probability of starting. And once the results do go his way, then he's more than likely going to be in, at least in the conversation for bonus points. So that's what justify his position in my team at this point. Speaking of Man City assets as well, Foden for me and for those who might own him and might have jumped on him recently i wouldn't if i was looking at just the fixture i wouldn't sell him for an everton fixture because that's an opportunity for points the only reason that i might be looking at moving him however is because we have psg midweek and that's on a run that's in the middle of a run of a few important games because i think it ends off going to west ham which is also going to be a big game um so there might be a chance that the roulette comes out. I don't want to be the person who predicts and predicts incorrectly and causes everybody to lose points. But I would not be surprised if Pep looks at his team and looks at the Everton fixture and decides to play a midfield That is, Foden-less, probably K- KDB-less, he might come on for a few minutes just to get his fitness back up. Um, especially if Foden continues to play um, for England in these international breaks, then there's a chance yeah. that he gets rested especially since um, the PSG game is going to be the game, as much as Pepel never admitted in the presser, it is going to be the game of importance uh, between these two games. And it is going to be a game he's going to look to start his starters in. Um, and all of them he would want fit and fresh. So there is a chance mm. that the rule that comes out this week.
0: Interestingly, right now the England versus Albania game is, uh, is on and Phil Foden has started uh we're right. we're 20 minutes in two notes to England, by the way, um and Phil Foden, yeah, like you said, looks like he's going to be playing at least 60 minutes. So as a Manchester city fan, who do you think going forward could be most nailed, or is that just an impossible question to to answer even as a city fan?
1: Attacking wise impossible question because and I, I have to be very honest because I tried it last season, and it didn't work. Um, because I thought somebody like Stones last season was more nailed than Diaz. And why was I wrong? Stones got rotated with Laporte, but Diaz played right soon. I'm talking about UCL. I'm talking about Carabao Cup when they got to the end, end stages. I'm talking about FA Cup when he reached the semi-finals. I'm talking about um, Premier League games, and I'm talking about Portugal games. He played all, and he didn't get benched once. The only time he got benched was when he had an injury. And that hurt me because I was, I had stones. And I had to deal with stones getting 21 points when he scored in a game. I take out a clean sheet and 3 bonus points. And then getting benched in the next game for Laporte while Diaz plays right through. You know? So I. that's why I went to Diaz as well. Attacking-wise, it is a toss-up because of how many assets City do have. It is a blessing. People like Jesus now are not even in any conversation who started the, the season I think the first five weeks on fire. And I think Jesus is top six in the league right now for assists. And Eight. would definitely be our highest assist getter so far, especially with the lack of De Bruyne and his form. Um, and then Foden is our top goal scorer with three goals. <laughs> but yet we have, I think, the Ow. second best um, the second best goal, um, goal difference in the league. So it just goes to show that of the attacking returns and the attacking probability comes from everywhere. So yeah, I don't Bernard want Silva's
0: to... Been massive for you this season. He's, nice. he I think he's had more goals and assists this season than he has in the last season altogether, if I if I remember rightly.
1: And that has that has been mainly due to the opportunities that he's gotten at the beginning of his season our midfield was a little less um unlikely. In terms of selection, because of the likes of De Bruyne and Phil Foden both being injured at the same time. So that left a few positions Um, for people, even like Mares, another person I didn't mention as yet, who started the season very brilliantly, but now, you know, is subject to the bench simply because, you know, Foden is back and Foden is doing what he's doing, Um, Mm. along with KDB coming back to prominence. Bernardo Silva has done his part and he's continuing to do his part. The only thing with him, though, is that he's uh, one of those. He's just like Lucas Moura, if you know from Spurs, in yeah. that he will run 90 minutes, chase after every single ball, every single loose ball, be back in defense, then you'll see him pop up and go in offense. Um, he'll be usually the person to assist the assister, which is something you hate in FPL. But when he does return, he would usually return with bonus points. So that's the toss-up with him. If you do go Bernardo Silva, you have to expect blanks with a great game. So he will he be somebody who doesn't score or assist but, but might win the man of the match award because of his performance all wrong. But it just didn't affect the stat sheet. And that's something you don't want in FPL. So no, and that's
0: that mean, it is, it doesn't that, contribute to bonus points as well.
1: Unfortunately. Yeah. No. So it's definitely something that you know that's why I haven't looked at him for an FPL asset, even though he has contributed. It is it's just that his role primarily is to be a sort of an enforcer in that he's going to bring the energy, he's going to be the person who's going to be attacking. Even when people are running back, he's going to be looking towards the ball, he's going to be looking towards attacking positions, getting in those positions one, um, once in a while, um, or even providing those positions to others. So it is a toss-up for Man City assets attacking-wise. I can speak a little more positively for defensive-wise, especially because of how the positions are set up right now. Walker seems to be very nailed on the right-hand side for the Premier League, especially, because he has improved as a defender. Um, and his role now is primarily to give cover to the centre-backs, who might go up for corners, might go up for a cross. And then City have his tactic where if the cross is defended, but it goes to City player, both centre-backs stay up in the box, just in case the cross comes back. Which means then that and or Kyle Walker, or usually it's Cancelo taking the cross. So, it's usually Rodri and Rodri and Kyle Walker who stay back in these positions until the center backs come back. And he's done that position very, very well. And obviously, he also uses his speed to then cover for center backs who are still chilling. So, if, for example, somebody gets on a counter attack, let's like Ronaldo or Trial Radio on a counter attack and they go, they will send Kyle Walker on him so that the center backs have time to recover. And hopefully, he'll be able to um, with his foot speed, he'll be able to keep up with them. So he's done great in acquisition um but again he's not somebody who's going to give you attacking returns um like say a, a Trent. but he is somebody if you're looking at a price range if you're looking for somebody who's going to give you an occasional bonus point and clean sheets he's a good person to look at and he also is the most nailed right back we have um diaz nailed center back um the probably the only chance he gets rested is if there's any injury concerns or if there's a big game like PSG. But out of the centre-back options, he will be the most nailed. Stones is also going to be nailed for um, at least the next game week or so um, until Laporte starts to return in the midweek um, fixtures. It is going to be interesting to see who starts against PSG Dope um, with Diaz because Laporte is coming off his red card and Stones played very well against Manchester United in the derby. So we'll see. Because we know both of those will always be fighting for that position next to Diaz and whoever's there really has been a good partnership. I mean, obviously, no Cancelo. The only thing with Cancelo now is that because the fixtures are so close coming up, I don't, I will not doubt him getting rotated just for rest purposes. Because again, they're all playing, you know, the UCL. They're all playing FA Cup. They're all playing international games. They're all starting as well, and um. Pep is going to have to do some rotations, if not just because of um, fixture, the the heavy list of fixtures is also going to be because of fatigue, because Cancelo's role in particular is very very demanding, because he is almost all over the pace at any one point, and he does play all positions, and he is running up on now a lot, so that might be something to look out for and the only other option that's going to be replacing him though is going to be Zenshenko so my safest bet as a city person who's looking for assets, defensively would be Diaz. If you don't like the price, then you can look at somebody at Stones for the few fixtures coming up or Kyle Walker. Can't see Lola obviously be there as you're attacking and defensive um, returner but you also have to pay in mind the fixtures that are coming up and the um, close period of time that comes between each fixture list and each fixture game week too because you know in those situations that's when the Pep really starts to show itself when the fixtures are coming back to back like that.
0: The Christmas period is going to be pretty difficult for Manchester City um, assets because I think there's going to be a lot of blanks where the fixtures pile up. Sometimes uh, you'll play two in a week or you'll have midweek every single week. I think there'll be a lot of rotation then, and it's probably the same with Chelsea. There'll be a lot of rotation coming up where you'll be surprised at what Pep does. You could see the likes of uh, some of the sort of reserves coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, a, there's a, I can't remember his name now, there's a, a kid playing for Manchester City. Is it Carson or something like that? Scott. Um, that's the,
1: well, that's not a kid. Carson is the. Um, no, no, no. It's,
0: it's not Carson. It's...
1: Cole Palmer, are you talking about?
0: Cole oh, Palmer. Yeah, Palmer, not Carson. Um, yeah. Well, I, I think he could feature in the Premier League at some point, which. Uh, that would be very cool. Well, again, maybe, maybe he features in the Cups. I don't really know how how Pep's gonna do it. But the yeah. point is I think that no one knows though. That's the point. Nobody
1: knows that is how he'll set up. Yeah. Realistically. Um, and I think too with the academic um name Academy players. Um like Cole Palmer, there's a person named um Liam Delap Those players are players that are showing up. Um and they're actually performing um Cole Palmer in particular, because I think De is still injured. Um, he's playing, and he has played in a Champions League, which is you know um a first for my eyes in terms of his um appearances, because I know at Ford we really took our time to break break him into the, the first team. Uh, once he did breaking however, he shot up like almost immediately. But Pep really did break him in. I'll, I'll take a wire with him because, you know, um they were trying to fit him into the team. And then at those, in those times when he was just coming into the first team, people like David Silva had his position almost locked. So it was very difficult for him to play with David Silva still starting. Um, so he had David Silva as his mentor. And you know Pep did talk about the influence that he has had on his career. But to see people like Cole Palmer playing Champions League and scoring at um, such an early age in his career, it will be interesting to see if he does get a run in the Premier League, because I don't think that role would be just a very small role if he's being trusted in games such as against Club Bruish Granted, however, he has come in situations where they're like 4-0, final up, final up in some instances, but he is contributing yeah. to the game and affecting the game. And I don't see why he is not played at least once, um, especially in his pictures coming up. If it is a fixture that comes before a fixture such as a PSG or such as uh, a UCL game in general or a cup game that is going to be in you know, a knockout or something like that. So, yeah, you're right. I, don't, I do see that being as a possibility, but I will not also be surprised if none of that happens. Everything we said comes to naught and Pep does something completely different. That's always the possibility. <laughs> with him. Yeah, like we um, said,
0: the, the point is that we probably don't know... That, that's the annoying thing that there's a game that was going around at the start of the season called Pep roulette I don't know if you play it yourself but uh, it's where you get points for predicting Guardiola's lineup
1: oh I um, I'd feel I'd, I'd feel that game that's probably why I didn't see it um no because mm-hmm. it's it's and it's annoying too because you want you want the player who have merited the with that roulette is that As much as it's, it really hurts to see it, because Sterling is somebody that rose up and really blossomed under Pep. Pep was the main reason why he became so clinical in front of goal, because he was known for his lack of first touch, his lack of um um uh, his lack of composure in front of goal, especially with Liverpool, because he had amazing speed almost all his life, and he had his amazing um, close ball control and the ability to beat people on, onto the byline. But he never had that killer instinct where he would be able to finish a chance that he created. Or if he did get a chance, he would quiet or hit the post, something like that, go to the keeper. But under yeah. Pep, he really lost him, and he, he became one of the best wingers in the world. And then just suddenly, just as suddenly as he rose, he descended, and it was mainly due to the fact that Pep started to rotate. And that rotation killed him. And I think somebody like Sterling is somebody who needs confidence and needs starts, needs the ability to see the ball in the back of the net on his own accord. And he needs that ability to just get the game um get some games under his belt and get back into match fitness like that i don't like that that position he's in right now where he's playing every other game if he plays a game at all it'd probably be at the end of a game he doesn't start many um and then he gets thrown into like a big game like psg the first leg of psg's game where he starts randomly at the false line. all of a sudden after not playing a few games prior so is that those thirty type of things that kills players' careers, and I don't like to see it. The another person that we talked about earlier, Bernardo Silva, was going through that same thing um, at the end of last season and the beginning of this season. As I said, thankfully he had some injuries that went his way, and he was able to start um, pretty much untouched. And ever since then, he's shown you know his class that he always had. But Bernardo Silva was on the transfer list or the transfer inquiries anyway for City because. He told the boss that you know, I if I'm not going to be starting or playing as much as I think I deserve to, then I want to get transferred, and he made that quite clear at the beginning of the season. And City, City said they won't get in his way if anybody makes the right move for him. Thankfully, nobody did, but it just goes to show that this, these players want to play, and it really is, it really is difficult. That's why it's. I think I was making that point to say that that's why it would be difficult as a City fan to predict a pep lineup. Because there'll be players like Mares, who started this season very, very well, scored even coming off the bench against Norwich, scored in a couple of mm. first game weeks, and then since then hasn't seen a start. Even though he was clearly in form and he's, he was clearly our best UCL player, at least towards the back end of the knockout stages last season. He does he's not getting the reward of that. He's just getting benched ever so often. You're gonna get us if he get game, he gets a few minutes. So those are the things that I struggle with when it comes to predicting the lineup and then even more as a personal fan of the club, you would want to see certain players that have shown their ability to continue being rewarded for it. So I think that's something that you're going to have to look out for in terms of predicting the lineup. It's not going to be easy because it's not going to be based on performances. I think that's the point. You're not going to get a start um, based on performances unless um, it's uh, a game weeks that are uninterrupted by any other um, tournament and usually City have interruptions almost all the time